Hello, and welcome to the Angelic Healing Podcast. In this space, myself or members of my North American team want to talk about all sorts of different topics, such as spirituality, gifts, healing, awakenings, and many, many more. I hope the time that you spend with us here, you find a little peace and harmony, and maybe even a few answers along the way. Thank you for being here. Welcome all. Thank you very much for coming to this evening's episode of Enlightened Entanglement. My name is Daniel. I'm the owner and founder of Angelic Healing. And to my right here is my daughter, Dana. Um, she's the one that actually came up with this show, Enlightened Entanglement, where we have some amazing conversations between us, if this is the first time joining us here. So we thought we'd bring some of those conversations into alt space um, and bring them in front of you guys so you guys can not only participate, but be a part of some of those conversations. So really quick, before we begin, just some housekeeping notes. Um, right where you guys spawned in is our September calendar for some upcoming events. Feel free to check that out if you like what we're doing here. As well as there's a subscribe button that links you to the Altspace channel. So you're welcome to subscribe to the channel as well. And see all upcoming events in the future or any changes in the future. You're welcome for that as well. So why don't I turn this over to you, Dana, and allow you to kind of Give everybody what tonight's topic is and why you wanted to bring it forward tonight. For sure. Hello, everybody. So tonight, as you might have seen, we're talking about the things we cannot face. And this kind of came from a previous conversation between us where we were brainstorming and we were talking about addictions and dependencies and avoidance. And we were like, well, should we have an event about that or should we have an event about unhealthy coping mechanisms? What really should we talk about? And it was really you who said, well, we could. Or we could talk about what's at the root of all of those things. What's at the center of the spider web, which is negative coping mechanisms, you know, negative dependencies, avoidance, you know, hiding from things, hiding from truths, disassociation, you know, the list goes on and on and on. But what's at the center of that is the things that we cannot face, the things that scare us, the things that make us want to run, the things that we don't want to look at, you know, the things that we struggle with. And so that's what we decided to kind of really focus on tonight. So I think I'm going to start with asking you a super general question, and I think then you can really start where you'd like to start tonight. But why do you think that disassociation is such a big thing when it comes for fear, when it comes to fear for so many people. Well, you know, you started uh, that description there talking about, you know, the negative coping mechanisms or the negative factors. Um, but I think that also, it gets a little bit weighted, I think, to that side and say, okay, I have this negative thing from my trauma as a child or from a youth, whatever it might be. And I have this thing that teaches me that this this thing that I do is the way I, uh, but what about the circumstances where there's a lack of coping mechanisms, where we don't know how to face that fear? And I think that's a lot of times where people get stuck into disassociation because it becomes the unsolvable problem. And it's much, much easier to separate yourself from the problem than actually face it head on. 
And I think once people start to push that distance or to veer away from it or literally just turn around and not face it at all, right? I think that's where you're really starting to get into that methodology where I can't fix it, so I'm going to, we'll cover it up with something. We'll put a blanket over, we'll pretend it doesn't exist, we'll pretend it's not there. Um, because I don't know how to approach this where I'm literally not feeling like my insides are turning, you know, outside basically. So I think we also have to give equal weight in that moment, not just to the negative coping mechanisms or the negative behaviors or the bad habits, but also the lack of coping mechanisms or the lack of habits or the lack of tools that people have been taught or have at their disposal to be able to approach these things. And how do I deal with this? How do I deal with this in a healthy manner? How do I approach fear? Or how do I move through this negative space and move into this, um, you know, st status or that this, this place of healing with this thing that I'm trying to approach? And I think also sometimes there's this notion that we think that if we just leave it alone, like if we just don't look at it, we just pretend it's not there, you know, disassociate from it. If you say that it's not affecting us sometimes, it's not being that negative thing if we just pretend or we kind of numb out to it. But I think that there's also that layer that sometimes, especially through a healing journey, that we realize that even when we kind of have our eyes closed to it, there is still that effect that it has on us. There's still that, you know, whether it be the way down or this kind of anchor that tethers us or these moments that come out uncontrollably, because when we don't interact with something, we have absolutely no control over it. Whatsoever. Well, and I think that's, I think that's the mental game we play with ourselves, right? If we pretend it's not there, we actually believe it's not there, but it's right there. It is right there affecting our day-to-day -day life. It's right there affecting how we react to a situation or to other people. It is still there regardless of what somebody believes. We can pretend all day long that it's not, but it is. Right? We're just playing the shell game and we're covering it up maybe with even, maybe we're even covering it up with more dirty laundry. And maybe we're covering up with something worse or an overreaction to take the, the limelight off this one thing. And if we way overreact in this area of our lives, nobody will look over here in this area where we're trying to cover up. But don't fool yourself, right? That thing is still there. Mm. No, absolutely. So when you come across this, because I mean, we talk about this specific concept in all shapes and forms with so many things across the board but what would you say is kind of your first piece of advice when you realize or find out that someone is really avoiding something that's right in front of them well <clears throat> this happens a lot more than i would like to say that it does um, when I'm working with somebody on a personal coaching level, um, some form of this usually is coming up when somebody's going through a self journey of some kind. Um, and the first thing that I do is slow everything way down, um, bring everything just almost to a screeching halt. When I can feel we're about to cross the precipice of this thing, right? And somebody's about to look at something they haven't been looking at for months or years or decades or whatever it might be. Um, it's important to slow everything way, 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 way down. And my only objective in that moment is to build a safe place around that person, right? Build a safe place to react, 
to build a safe place to lash out, to build a safe place to whatever that emotional eruption is going to be once we finally touch that. I want to make sure that that space around that person in that moment is completely safe, not only for me, but they feel it's safe because that eruption is going to happen. Mm. Right? When we finally get, you know, when we dig down to the surface, if we imagine this thing is buried and we dig down to the surface and, you know, every shovel scoop, we get closer, you know, the nerves and the anxiety gets higher because they can feel it coming. Right. But when we finally get there, creating that space around them allows them to have those emotions and have that eruption without then adding on that fear or the anxiety of now, what are they going to think of me now that I've had this cascade flow out of me? The thing is not nearly as important. The eruption is not important. The fact that we don't have to add extra reactions on top of that in that moment to say, oh, I'm so embarrassed. Oh, I'm I can't believe I did that in front of you. I can't believe, you know, all these other peripheral things that don't need to happen. Right. So my first course is always to build the space around the person. And me as the coach or the soul coach, whatever you like in that moment, me as that person, it, my primary job in that moment is to then allow those things to happen. So once we've touched that, right, I also need to prepare myself as the coach in that moment to be able to not only receive everything that's about to happen in that eruption, right, without judgment, because most of it isn't going to matter. Most of it is just the force that that is coming out of the ground. So it might be, like I said, it might be lashing out. It might be a cascade of emotions that come with it, this thing. I have to allow that to happen in those moments. I have to just be there, not as a punching bag, but I just need to absorb all of that in that moment without judgment and just let it happen and still maintain that space around that person. Then once that settles, we can actually have a conversation about the thing and the thing right. under the soil that we found. And then we can start to break it down, decompile it and figure out why it's there and where it came from. But until that person feels safe in that moment, that'll never happen. Right. Especially when you're coming upon something that, you know, feels ex extra jolting, because when someone's been not looking at something for a long time, for an extent, you know, for lack of better words, they can kind of forget it's there. And as the support person, it can kind of be one of those things when you see it coming before they see it coming. And you know, like you said, you kind of really have to prep the stage for what's about to happen. I, I do have a bit of a pondering question, um, because a lot of times... You know, I've heard people say that the reason why they want to just forget these things ever happened or they don't want to look at them is don't want it to be part of who they are, you know, but I always talk as well about not part of who I am, but building blocks of who we are as some of the negative things, how we respond to those things. So how do you begin working with bringing in that balance of this can exist, but in a way that makes <laughs> in a not such a negative way, if that makes sense. Well, I think part of this comes back to that original statement that we said before, you know, just because we believe it's not there. It doesn't mean it's not there. And I think, you know, my approach when I'm walking somebody down that path is to start attaching the reciprocal behavior to the thing that we're pretending it's not there. And we have to see the, the, the collateral damage that's happening because of this thing 
in order to give this enough importance for them actually to look at and to step out of that belief of, if I don't see it, it's not there. It doesn't exist. It's not there. Because who wants to work on something that's not there? Right. It's, it's only when it becomes real enough for them and they want to, and they have to choose to in those moments. And when that becomes, so if we're working on the collateral damage and the, you know, the peripheral around this, well, where do you think this came from? Where do you think this came from? Why do we think we react like this? That slowly ties back to the thing that is apparently not there. And the minute enough connections are made to that, that that becomes real again. Now we can start to make traction and now we can start to dig. And, but until we have enough connections to that thing where they see it, right? Not that I tell them, right? It doesn't matter what I say in those moments. It's only once they see it, right? Then they'll truly start to dig down and start to work towards that. If they don't see those connections, if they truly believe inside that there's no effect within their life, we're not doing any work. No, absolutely. You know, I think you said as well, there's a large part of this that is the lack of coping mechanisms. There is a large mm. part of just not being taught or seeing how to engage with those negative things and really how to sort them and inventory them in the correct ways. Um, but then there's that other side that is, you know, that does turn to those negative coping mechanisms as a supplement. And we often have the conversation of that, you know, all of those relationships with those things really come back to the relationship we have with ourself and that that's the mm. important one. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Sure. Um, we teach a, a very common phrase early on with people. We usually get them to write it on their bathroom mirror or write it on a piece of paper where they're going to see it every day. Similar thing to a positive affirmation. Um, but the expression goes like this. You will always have in your life what you choose to tolerate. Now this goes, you know, externally the people around us, but this also goes internally, right? And if we choose to tolerate someone else's behavior over and over and over again, of course, we're going to have that within our lives. The moment we choose to not tolerate that anymore, and we're able to not only draw those boundaries, but be able to honor those boundaries, right? The second step, that's always the hardest. It's, it's one thing to draw the boundary. It's another thing to enforce it. But not a lot of people these days talk about the boundaries we draw with ourselves. Right? and what we're willing to tolerate from ourselves. And, you know, a couple events ago, we were talking about the own inner voice and, you know, would you be your own friend based off your own inner voice and how you talk to yourself? If you were to make a photocopy of yourself and your own inner voice was how that person then talked to you, would you be your own friend? Right? That is just as important to, to lay those boundaries with and just as important to decide what you choose to tolerate within that six inches between your ears. So in those moments, right, it's really important to establish that kind of behavior and really come up on that, again, within the, the, an appropriate amount of space and that safe space to be able to approach that with people in that moment of what are you willing to tolerate, not only from the people externally coming in from you or yourself internally. So if we take that mode for a second, we take that understanding and then we weave into some of those, you know, early taught bad behaviors or early taught bad coping mechanisms. Well, it can be as simple as a conversation once we understand the concept to say, I get this is what you learned. I get this is how you process things. I understand this is where the way that you thought it was the only way to do this. But is this the way you choose to continue? Is this the way you want to keep doing this? Is, do you want to keep tolerating this now that it's on the table and we're both sitting here looking at it? 
because before they get to the point of it being on the table and being visible, right, in your conscious view, you know, whether we're running on autopilot or we just don't think any better, it's uh, an unconscious habitual thing, it's out of their control, right? The moment it becomes on the table and we see it for what it is and we decide, do we want to continue this behavior or do we want to learn something new? Now we've just empowered that person as well to bring control back within their own life because it's no longer autopilot. It's no longer the thing that happens anymore. It's something that they can see and they can tangibly decide what they want to do with that, including keeping that habit if that's what they choose to do. Mm. Right? It's a complete 180 in those moments where they think they have no choice to the moment it's seen. The moment it's there and it's clear, it's not reciprocal, it's just clean and it's there. Mm -hmm. What do you want to do about this? Right? Do you want to keep it or do you want to discard it and learn something new? And it becomes that simple once you can get somebody into that space. And then the idea of learning something new and dropping those habits, that's another process all on its own. But then that becomes into back into a learning curve section of learning rather than just the, oh my goodness, how am I going to do this? Right. No, absolutely. So I wanted to touch on one more kind of uh, part of maybe the pry graft of things that go into this. Um, <laughs> but I was curious, you know, when it comes to avoidance and let's say we're, you know, talking about someone who is avoiding a particular reality um, and is stuck in one particular narrative and is really committed to their experience and is having a really hard time seeing maybe the truth of what's going on. Do you treat that the same as someone who's maybe avoiding a negative thing of their past? Or would you treat that a little bit different when it comes to maybe how to break that paradigm, if that makes sense? Well, I want to push you for a little bit more information on that question first, because if somebody is actively avoiding healing, there isn't, and I know this might sound a bit harsh, but there isn't a thing I'm going to do for them. Right. Right. And I probably won't even engage in that conversation too much once we've established that boundary or established that person does not want healing or that they don't want to move into a space of healing for themselves because they're not choosing it. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, and for the healers in the room or the people that are listening online later or watching this on Facebook later, I think healers sometimes get stuck in this or the coaches get stuck in this, the helpers, so to speak where they can see the answer and they can see the person struggling and they are fighting like crazy to try to get sense into this person's mind. And they end up chasing this person all around the merry-go-round. And the person is literally running away saying, I don't want your help. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it, it's a tough one to establish when you have a big warm heart and you're seeing somebody in pain or you're seeing somebody really struggling. Um, but to allow them the choice in those moments. Because everything else after that is going to be you chasing, 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 chasing. And then when it becomes, you're doing something for the wrong reasons. Right? And that can, that can put the, the helper in a very unhealthy space as well. Mm. I, I completely agree with that, actually. And I think this is a, I love when this happens, we end up on this full circle moment um, as we come to a wrap up point, because I think that the point you just made goes for everything that we've talked about tonight. You know, it's hard to be the support person, whether you're the friend or the coach, you're the healer, when you are seeing that someone 
is actively hiding from something. But it's also hard to to be in that position or look back and see yourself in that position. But I think that one of the most important things is what you just said is that until someone's ready to look, there's not a whole bunch you can do. Someone has to really make that choice on your own. Like you said, choice to confront the behavior, choose to change the pattern or keep it. But that awareness has to be some of like the first step sometimes, which I think is just a really great point. And just to, you, you brought up that support person, you know, so eloquently. We did a, a, an event a little while ago where we talked about, and I asked the audience for those that were there for this one, who is your biggest support person? Like, just think in your mind for a second, who is your biggest support person within your life? And I was, you know, having a little bit of fun with it in the moment. And I said, if the answer wasn't yourself, you're already wrong. Right now, mm. just to take that one comment, what you said, you know, if you're the support person in that moment and you're chasing yourself, because this happens, right? Somebody knows they need to step into some sort of healing or repair or learning curve, whatever it might be, because they know at a very basic level what they're doing isn't working. But emotionally, they're running from themselves. And intellectually and emotionally, they're not on the same page. And it turns into this very chaotic, um, I was going to say something storm, but it turns into a, a very, very big storm <laughs> within their own minds of them chasing themselves around. And emotionally, they're not ready. Intellectually, they know something has to be done or something has to change because they're not in a good headspace. But those is the same thing to build, you know, even my advice where I talked about in the beginning of starting with that safe place, somebody on your own, anybody out here listening today here in all space or later online can start with building their safe place around themselves. If they're involving a coach or a teacher or a healer, whatever it might be, but they can start with building a safe place for themselves and having a conversation between those two minds, you know, and say, why emotionally am I running from this or why intellectually am I pushing this? doing this for the reasons. And I think that's an excellent step for just about anybody to take in those moments, whether you're dealing with something traumatic or even, you know, I would say it's even a good habit to build on a, you know, a quarterly, you know, or a monthly or an annually, whatever you choose to just sit down with yourself and make sure you have that alignment within yourself to say, am I emotionally and intellectually on the same page right now? Right. My life's pretty good. I have a good job. I have, you know, good family, you know, everything seems to be pretty good. However, maybe I should just check in just like I would with a friend. I haven't heard from him in a few months. Give him a call. Say, Hey, I haven't heard from you for a while. I just thought I'd check in how life is everything good. Mm. You know, I think this also becomes an underrated service that we can do for ourselves just to check in and see if we have that alignment. Mm. I completely agree. And as always, you wrap us on such a beautiful note. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Love that. Well, if we're wrapping up, I'd like to just take a quick moment. Thank everybody here that's here with us in Alt Space. My, my wonderful gratitude to all of you guys for spending a little bit of time with us. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen and for being a part of our community. 
please don't forget to take a moment to rate and review the podcast. And if you'd like to share with us how this episode made you feel or made you think, click the link in our description to send us a piece of fan mail anonymously. If you're thinking about taking the next step in your journey, head over to angelichealing.ca to learn more about our team, our programs, our courses, our workbooks, our social media accounts, and much, much more. Until next time, you are loved and appreciated more than you know.